This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... Called My Old Man. There's the direct pass. Oh, Codger's onside here. He's got a dome. He can square it to. It's Codger. Oh, dear me. Our Villa not in front. Roger maybe almost had too much time to think about it. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOwnManSaid.com. Joining me, no need for teleportation this time, it's Dan Rogers from the VillaUnderground.com. Hello there. Hello, hello, four wins on the trot. This is the norm <laughs> now. Get used to it. You'll be sick to death of winning. Who, who was it that said the last <laughs> podcast wasn't that exciting because we were winning? Yes. Got nothing to moan about, have we? People have yeah. even resorted to going, oh, Glenn Whelan's terrible because he intercepts and he doesn't score scissor kicks from the halfway line. <laughs> <laughs> we just win now. That's all we do. That's what we do. That's who we are. If you don't like winning, you know, this is probably the wrong show for you. It's always been a winning show. It's just the results haven't been... Uh, <laughs> I haven't matched up to it. What have you been up to? How, how do you celebrate wins nowadays? Uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no cel- I don't know, frankly. I just sort of <laughs> go, I'm lost for words, actually. The, the fact that I was so optimistic going into this week thinking, well, we could, we could be leaving this week with 9, 12 points. And for it to actually have happened, <laughs> it's really fantastic. The last three games I was going, nine, nine points, people going, well, I take seven out of nine. I said, no, it's, mm. that's, that's the old attitude. It's got to be 100% nowadays. Win, win, win. <laughs> Negatron alert. Villa outside the playoff places after 11 games. A point, Redknapp. A point, Harry Redknapp. Right. 
Let's get on to the three points of the week. Four wins on the trot, as we've already mentioned. Well, if this was the Fantastic Four, the last win against Bolton uh, would have been the thing, as it was a bit of on on the ugly side. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, (laughs) Just in a nutshell, in a sentence, was you... I mean, this is Bolton's worst start since 1902. Eight defeats on the trot. Everybody expected us to steamroll through them. Uh, I kind of didn't, but we'll just discuss that later on but in a sentence how did you feel about it i thought it was exactly the kind of game that steve bruce could and should win and it wasn't pretty for a second not a nanosecond but he won the game and other than a couple of scares you know they, they never they weren't interested Bolton. Well, they weren't capable, actually, of, of breaking us down. Until the uh, until the last few minutes. Anyway. It's all that we brought on. Samba. Samba saved us. Right. Giant head. Point number two. Yes. Guess who was top of the table for form in September? Would that be Aston Villa Football Club, David? My God, Dan, that was a mighty fine guess. It was. What, what's really annoying about this thing is that both Bristol City and Norwich are also top of the table as well. For yeah, it. on the same amount of points. That's uh, well, same amount. Bristol of rec- City, particularly. I mean, same Norwich record. Rubbish at Villa Park. Played six, won four, drew two, lost zero. Mm. Uh, we have the superior goal difference, mainly down to our defence. Although saying that, Norwich also have only conceded one goal in six games, but they've but they only, only scored, scored five. five. How did they manage? That's unbelievable. To? Yeah, so they must have. I can't even do the maths. They must have won every game 1-0. Yeah, it doesn't even work. I'm not even sure how that works. They must have done. But I def- think that, you it know, defies you at, maths. I mean, we said in the last uh, pod, hey, you know, Bristol City is the one way. I think it was even after even after the Bolton game, I was walking away thinking, they can't have won again, and they had. Um, and, and Norwich, similarly. Because they were always, when you look at the table and you think, right, if they win this game, you know, who do they go above? And you always see Bristol City like one or two places above. And they're like, they're like a helium balloon. They just steam, keep going yeah, up. Absolutely steam. You just, just can't catch them. But it actually makes our away point look much better now. <laughs> yeah, it does actually. Which is a bonus. But I, I think this is all part of it, isn't it? That we had, we had a, obviously a slow start, but now we're on a run of four wins. It's got to go of the fashion of... Exactly how, how we've said previously, really. How Newcastle and Brighton did that, that four four wins has got to become eight and 12. And yeah. I think it was 15, wasn't it, in Newcastle's case, that that's how you assert your dominance. That you but just... they, did, they didn't win 15 on the trot, though, though, did they? No, but they were unbeaten in 15, weren't they? Ah, is, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is the run. It's that. I think it's, it almost breaks the will of teams above you, doesn't it? The, the, the teams that perhaps don't have the strength in depth or, yeah, I think, or you uh, might have to play. I think the next four games, there's. Three well, three away games there, which are all potential banana skins: uh, Wolves, Blues, and Preston as well. Because Preston, uh, they've got the best defense in the league. I think they've only conceded six goals in total mm. in all in all games, and that and they've played a lot of the the kind of top boys as well. So uh, that'll be a tough one. Yeah, I agree. Right, point number three, and number three being the traditional number of the left back. Mm. Tweeted this tweeted this earlier in the week. Ashley Young, James Milner. Fabian Delph, Joe Bennett and Endo Stevens are all playing left back now for teams higher than Villa in English leagues. I forgot that uh, Endo Stevens plays for Sheffield United. Well, Endo Stevens has, has had a quiet couple of years because he dropped he dropped down a couple of divisions and he was last at Pompey, Portsmouth of League Two yeah. and he, he transferred across to, to Sheffield United and... <sighs> I'm not going to say there's any envy there because I think we saw enough of him at <laughs> Villa, really, didn't we? Well, yeah, it, no. was kind of, it was kind of okay, but 
he just didn't think he was anything above average, or I mean, he was it, obviously a bit younger then. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But having said that, you know, he's got. Uh, I've, the reason I I was aware even before we were even before we we're discussing this here really is because the last couple of of weeks I've caught the the highlights on on Channel Five, and he's he's contributed a couple of assists. But I've only just checked, and he's he's joint second in the division four assists. So. Yeah, with I mean, four. There's a, there's a glut of players on four. On four yeah. assists, but this kind of came to light the fact that Fabian Delph was playing left back for Manchester City, and Ashley Young now plays left back or left uh, wing back, and James just... Mil- James Milner also uh, playing there. I mean, I remember watching Milner come on. I think was it before was it before the last World Cup? England played Belarus, or it might have been the World Cup before that. I can't remember. But in one of the warm up games, <laughs> they played Belarus, and Milner came on uh, as a substitute with around ten minutes to go, and he came on as left back, which was the first time I've ever. Seen seen him play there and he was amazing it was one of the best left back performances i've seen i mean not not only from a defensive point of view but he got the ball at the halfway line beat about three players slipped inside the the box uh got to the edge of the six yard but i think he hit the left i think he hit the post but it would have been a, a goal that would have been remembered for a long time but uh yeah. we have had problems in left backs but they seem to sprout up once they've left the club yeah i can't say i've got i mean the other, the other name you mentioned was joe bennett and <sighs> <laughs> he, hates pro- he hates us. He hates us. The thing about Benny was that from his he... tweet when he's when when Cardiff beat Villa three nil at the start of the season, he tweeted, "I don't think I'll enjoy a win more than that one this season." Yeah, well, revenge is a dish best served cold, isn't it? I, I think it was. He wasn't too pleased with old Doctor Tony outing him. Uh, what, well, that was that beef? issue? Because he was supposed to go to Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't he, really? That was it, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was it, yeah. He shut his, shut his move down, didn't he? He shut his move down because I don't think Sheffield Wednesday had any money, I believe, was the <laughs> the main issue. The thing of Bennett was, because he sort of had a bit of a mini, and it was a mini resurgence where he appeared in the in the team the back end of last season, perhaps in the cup bits, or I forget now. But he was deployed in a left midfield role. And he looked yeah. far more natural. I always thought at fullback. I didn't think he was particularly good in the defensive role, but I always thought he was a very slight footballer. Um, not dissimilar to Amav, really, where you think actually, do you have that? Yeah. You know, do you have that physicality about you? To be fair to Neil Taylor, I think he's maybe better than all of those in terms of just defensively, pure defensively. I think so, and because uh, he's, he's he's seven out of ten rock steady, isn't he? I think he's actually a more composed footballer. He's quite. What's that? I don't know what the comparison would be. Composed. It's a bit like, a bit like Chester. <laughs> composed, apart from in the last minute of games. <laughs> let's talk about the red card, actually. We're no, later, into... later. No, let's. He's not composed. Sorry, what were you going to say about him anyway? He's a fine, upstanding man. And Jeremy Simpson, the referee at the weekend, was a bloody moron. He got sent off for, I think, in part the reaction, in part reputation off the back of the. Um, yeah. Seamus Coleman injury and a third because I think it's so grey now what you how you can tackle because there's a bit of jumping in about it but you know yeah, you, if that happens anywhere nasty, else on the pitch no yeah. no I don't think so personally no nasty intent right uh, before we talk about the Bolton game a big thanks as always to the My Old Man Said patrons uh, if you want to join them and help support the podcast the podcast that takes a whole day to put together think about that <laughs> then please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link and do join and support it's uh, much appreciated uh, the rewards I managed to uh, snag Star Wars football related stuff from Mitre the Star Wars Mitre football uh, goalpost setup as well and then there's... oh I want it screw, screw giving it out give it to me and then for the kiddies uh, there's a ball that you can colour in no I'll take that too I'll take that scribble ball the actual football that you colour in yourself Star Wars yeah like 
like you can there's there's i think you have dark side light side dark side classics like with darth vader and everything <laughs> light side classics like luke skywalker yoda and all those gang but anyway uh one <laughs> one pa- one patron will be getting all of it together yeah i should have given it if they gave me more than one i'd have given one to you dan well, maybe, maybe I'll enter. Well, you have to sign up to be a patron first. Can't there be an, an administrative oversight? <laughs> no. <laughs> but... And the winner is... <laughs> oh, my God, what a surprise! <laughs> I'm also doing a competition for a match day official ball, mitre ball, which we've already given away one for a patron, and then we did a competition as well. Anyway, please do go to myomanshead.com and uh, click on patron and get the details there. Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. September 28th. I've agreed with Google's firm culture of radical candor since I started operating company. Always good to listen to different voices. October 1st. Into my birth month. Need to keep momentum. Hashtag October wish. October 2nd, I believe football will be evolving with more dramatic changes following years. People not into all these changes won't be surviving long. October 3rd, full moon, Ah! full feelings, Best wishes to all villains of the Global Villa family enjoying the mid-autumn festival. Here by gum. Hashtag UTV. Right, the game, Bolton. As we've alluded to, it was a bit scrappy. Phil Parkinson, the mighty man who defeated... Paul Lambert, uh, when he was the manager of Bradford in the League Cup. Over two legs. Hey, we didn't get sacked after that. I will never know. Well, Lambert should have been shot after that. (laughs) I mean, I completely forgot that he was the manager of Bradford. I was reading something about him. He was talking about Villa and he said, oh, former Bradford City boss who Mm. managed to beat Villa. I was like, oh, no. I've put that game out of my fucking mind. Criminal, criminal. One of the best experiences of being a Villa fan was being on the Holt End watching Villa beat Tramere in that dramatic 1994 League Cup yep. semi-final. One yep. of the worst ones was watching that pile of dross. Dreadful, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was the same, 3-1 down against a team in a lower division, but, I mean, they were clueless, put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, let's not linger on the Holt no, let's move on. But he knew, I mean, he said he knew exactly how Villa were going to play. Mm. And uh, he set up accordingly. I mean, they brought Cole Henry in as a... He was a free agent, I think, after uh, his last club was QPR. Yeah. You, you know what you're going to get when you play against him. He's just going to be running around uh, in kind of defensive midfield area, just, you know, tackling anything that moves. And I thought they were, you know, they were tight. They hunted in packs. Uh, they closed Villa down very quickly. And uh, Villa didn't really up the tempo or try to stretch them or even, you know, try to dribble at them or make something happen or try to get them out mm. of shape. And it was uh, frustrating for a long while. It was an ugly 
ugly game of football. I think there was there was the other factor about the game was that the the weather conditions were absolutely atrocious as well. That you know yeah. the rain got heavier and heavier and heavier, particularly through the first half into the second. No excuse really, but what it what it meant was that you could you know if you put the ball in the air it was swirling around, and if you if you passed it along the ground it, it wasn't it wasn't travelling true either. And I I do think as well that the Bolton had come off the back of what was it seven eight straight defeats. It was, it was, it was yeah, they, this was their eighth. A ridiculously bad run, you know, and I think out of those games, was it more than six of them they conceded more than two goals? And it was a very yeah. much a shut-up shop type feel to it for me where, you know, there were, there were big lads at the back, weren't they? And Wheater was the, probably the name who, I, you know, I'd remember as being um, uncompromising and he, and he was still that sort of player. And I think we really struggled with that. I think um, Hurahan really struggled to impose himself on the game. Um, Whelan, who was guilty of working tirelessly hard to get the ball, only to then... <laughs> pass it straight back to a Bolton player on, on a number of occasions so the frustrations like that I thought Snodgrass was excellent and you know that was the kind of game where I thought wow he's you know he's really rolling his sleeves up here despite all that and, and as yeah. I said at the beginning of this podcast this was the game where I where I thought you know what, if you want a manager to win you this match in an un- uncompromising uncompromising ugly fashion this is the guy because as soon as we got the goal you know I think we should have built on it but when, as soon as Bruce realised we weren't going to build on the on that and at about 70 minutes the shutters came down and you know we might as well have gone home we might as well have gone home we need a nickname for those shutters i think <laughs> yes. bruce out the, yeah the bruce keep out yeah we, we showed no no imagination after that point i don't think let's talk about imagination but let's talk about the key moments yeah, uh, that i've pinned my colors to the masts from the off i mean like literally seconds after it happened when Codger instead of just passing a simple square <sighs> yeah. ball open goal for Domar there's no doubt about that he's, he's not going to mm. miss from there decided from with the outside of his foot to try to put it in the top hand corner yeah. when he had the keeper breathing down his throat it was, it was almost impossible to get it around the keeper unless you nutmegged him or something well here's my take on, on that because obviously it was, it was a great ball through and he was in on goal bearing down and he, he had it felt like minutes in which he could have squared the ball to Domar who's obviously screaming, yeah. waving and thinking surely sooner rather than later this ball's going to come across. Personally, I think that if the, the last type of shot that Codger should have took on was the one he chose to do. And, and Adomar was just getting ready for another handstand. <laughs> Adomar was already on his head in front of the in front of the whole end. <laughs> I mean, the one, there's, there's two bits, and I'll be very, very quick on this, is it was so reminiscent of Adoma's position against against Bolton, was so reminiscent against the positions early last season that McCormack was in. It was alarming. Now, I think if, if we hadn't got that penalty a few minutes later and, and that game had gone out to be a nil-nil, wouldn't that have been so much like last season? Yes. That papered over the cracks. If if he didn't score that penalty uh, <laughs> straight after, there would he would have had a bit of... Well, that game would have been nil-nil because it was it was dreadful conditions. It was a dreadful game. Bolton were just entrenched. Do you want me to tell you what the difference was? In my view, John Terry, as soon as that ball was was saved by the goalkeeper, John Terry ran the length of the pitch, told Codger probably exactly what it was, and then in the next breath, absolutely bollocked Adoma as well for not doing the same thing. <laughs> so, what for not bollocking Codger? Well, both, I think, perhaps not in short, you know. Not Probably expecting Adoma to two-foot codger and knock it at himself, you know, sooner than wait for it. But within two minutes, as you say, we get the penalty through 
How do we want to pitch this? Was that a dive? Mm, convenient place, time and place? I mean, how do we want to... I think the term uh, that you use in these situations is played for it. Played for it. Okay, we'll go with that. But he coolly dispatched the penalty, which was great. But I do agree with you. If that scenario hadn't played out... Just give me a bit more authority. You agree with me and John Terry on this? I absolutely agree with John Terry. One, because he's harder than me. And two, I'm, I'm scared that he'll come and take my wife off me. And I never agree with you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> as long as they shall live. But I just thought, as soon as he didn't square the ball, I thought, oh God, this is last season. This is because I think we'd all thought, and because of what we've seen, Codger had been more of a team player, inverted commas. That was a scary moment. People go, oh, it's better to have a striker that goes for it, you know, because that shows he's confident. Well, no, I mean, the statistics last season, he scored 19 goals, yep. but that's the only goals that we actually scored as a team. Uh, yep. If you look at his assists, one assist, well, which kind of yeah. shows you everything. I mean, if Codger's got about 10 assists I think he's going to score maybe 20 odd goals but Villa are going to score a lot more goals as well because that just shows you Villa are playing when they attack they're attacking as a team all those games where we were like we relied on one moment of brilliance that's because we could have been two or three nil up if he actually played his own men in or uh, helped build up other attacks yeah but I think we all we all love the moments of brilliance and I think what we, what we mustn't get confused is is that having a having a greedy striker is a great thing when when you're already winning or when um you know they're sniffing at half chances but you also need an intelligent striker so everyone in the ground expected Codger to square that yeah you've got to ask the bigger questions why has no Premier League team picked him up I mean he was scoring almost 20 goals a season for Bristol City mm. so it's an obvious purchase there mm. and then after he scored him for Villa and Villa stayed in the championship still no team mm. came along and said look we'll, we'll double what you paid and we'll take him off your hands listen I think he's an asset and um, at this level yeah, yeah but they you know, Premier League teams, etc., are you know higher level. They you know they know what he is. Well, I mean, this that's an interesting point to pick up because uh, give it. It's an anecdote, but it's it's relevant here. See, my view, just about it's just about my view now is that if we got promoted, I think Codger would be a okay striker in the Premier League. My dad would say to me, he's great at this level, Premier League. Nah, not a chance. Now, and I wonder whether if you took a, I don't know, a cross-section of Villa fans, I think it's easy to get rose-tinted, and maybe I am to a degree that I see the, you know, I, I like Codra as a player, and I think that he's got a, he's got a trick in him, and I think he's got a, um, not necessarily a worldie, but he's got a goal in him that you think, oh, didn't see that coming, you know. Yeah. But I do think he's... Because he was actually, take Bolton as the game, he was very ineffective whilst he was on the pitch as well for, for most of that game. Because, um, yeah. again, Keenan Davis was the standout player and granted the physicality and the type of game it was perhaps lent itself lent itself to more towards a player like him. But I wonder whether when we're having the conversation about why, why hasn't a, you know, why haven't a West Brom or why haven't a Bournemouth took a chance on him? I mean, you just go back to Bristol City. When he scored those goals, they were, they were finishing in the lower half as mm-hmm. well. So he does take away from the team, and you know I'm I'm, I'm not going to knock him totally because I think if he's an asset, if he can he's an play, asset. and if if he can play with the other players, yeah. then he then he is an asset because he has you know he can score. It's just a frustration, isn't he? Because you can see what's the flaw is in his game, and th- these are like obvious passes, like elementary passes mm. I mean like that was a definite goal and he, and he missed that's just an example of what can happen you know he's, he's seen as this king and all this kind of bullshit <laughs> that's that's not proper football knowledge fans king. that's just Villa official Twitter which is run by marketing bods that don't you know know they know Idiots. fuck all <laughs> well I mean kings kings lift European cups don't they I mean that's we're, we're exactly. a million miles from that step one on the road to becoming a king at Villa Park is that you get promoted and that you you, you play as part of that as a team and that you contribute yeah your bit. And I think I think Codger is a, is a dangerous 
predatory striker who's who can who does strike fear into teams. I do believe that. But I do think as well, if you're a you know a Phil Parkinson or whoever, because I, I do think they did their homework on Codger. Yeah, they know. How to see you shut him down, don't you? And he didn't like the physical. Yeah. And he was outthought for, for the vast majority of the game. If you look at Messi, here's somebody who scores a load of goals, but but he but he picks a pass and he gets yeah. the ball back. I mean, for example, Codger could try that shot on his own, or he could p- play it to a player who then plays it back to him, and mm. he's in a better position. So it's not a it's not a a case of him taking the shot and scoring or not scoring it and that's it there's a chance that if he passes it he's going to get it back or he'll play will develop that he gets to score even more goals and this is the frustrating thing I mean he's obviously a, a cut above most players because he can score and he can score from nothing but Penteke for example he would play yeah. players in and he would contribute but this guy, uh, I mean, one assist in a whole season is uh, as a forward player is uh, it's not that great, and it kind of shows you the true story. Absolutely. So hopefully uh, he'll get a proper bollocking. I mean, that's what that penalty after it kind of masked it a little bit and took the focus away from it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Let's talk about blithering idiots. Let's talk about Jeremy Simpson, the referee, and in in brief because we don't need to dwell on how hopeless a performance. But the reason for mentioning it is it will stick in my mind as one of the most inept refereeing displays non-discriminatory either he was, he was as bad for Bolton but the most some of the most incomprehensible refereeing for an hour and a half you're ever likely to see that that sums it up so we can move on it's almost <laughs> Just... yeah I was gonna say it's like almost an old story the level of the championship refereeing when that game started I think was it Whelan that got booked kind of early early doors he got a lot of stick off the back of this and he didn't have a good game and I don't it's a bit like the Bruce thing. I don't want to sound like I'm defending. He got the sponsors, man <laughs> of the match. Did I notice that you... Yeah, yeah, God bless those two fans that, that picked. Yeah, he got booked on 11 minutes for you know, a, a foul, basically. But there was persistent fouling from Bolton, well, particularly of the one guy. I forget who it was now. Yeah, they were playing... I mean, yeah. they were playing tough. I, mean, I don't know if it was anything uh, above and beyond. I mean, we're not a bunch well, no, of fans. The fact that I think it was more the fact that Whelan got booked and then... I mean, I, I prefer the game played a bit more traditionally anyway. And, you know, my view my view is pr- yeah. probably not dissimilar to yours, really, that let some of the early tackles go. And, and you have the referee should have should gauge the game. Should This guy was just... Everything from overruling his linesman and to... I mean, a lot of fans expected... Well, if, you, if you're judging social media talk, they expected just to turn up at Villa Park yeah. and roll these guys yeah. over four or five nil. <laughs> Six nil even, but when as soon as that yellow card happened, uh, Whelan's yellow card, I thought not going to be one of these games where we're going to go down to ten men against a team that we should have beaten, and we're going to be lucky to get away, you know, with a point. Well, he couldn't put a foot something. in, could he? Then he- if Whelan does get blown up for a second foul and he's off, then suddenly that will give Bolton an extra mm. extra spring in their step, and suddenly we're in a bit of mm. uh, doodah. And this is the problem at this level: is the referees, unless you control a game and, and win it, you know, outright, which we're struggling yeah. to do, especially at home. I mean, a way we've we've managed to find the net, then you know we might be scraping. So I think it's in Bruce's interest to find a team or, or find a way of playing where we do control and we do. Mm-hmm beat teams a little bit easier than we have been doing at, at Villa Park because you don't want to be held to ransom for anything like uh, dodgy No, it shouldn't referees. be an excuse. I think, the, I mean, it's the last thing I really want to bring up because it's not an interesting subject, but I, like many others, were, were staring from the whole tent or whatever part of the ground people were in. 
He's just thinking it, it, the referee shouldn't impact upon the game. You know, they're there to officiate it. It's obvious. It's, it's what everyone knows. And this guy had such an impact over the 90 minutes that you just think, well, what? This should be the sand pit, surely, for referees to develop and become Premier League referees, Euro referees, whatever. Yeah. He, he's, he's the worst, but in amongst many dubious refereeing decisions that we've seen this season, he was a, a concentrated example of, of how the game doesn't need to be officiated. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, well, with uh, two local derbies or way oh, derbies coming up against Wolves and Birmingham, I think I think the spotlight on refereeing will uh, come under fresh scrutiny there. Hopefully uh, not in a bad way. What more can we say about this Bolton game? Can you imagine if this podcast had been a few years ago when we are in the Premier League and we're, and we're, I think the last time we beat Bolton was uh, 5-1 at Villa Park. Uh, I've actually got that mm. teleport gun from uh, the last episode. I think I think it's still got enough power to use uh, once again. Let's let's give it a whirl just to liven the show up a bit. Milner, Carew is the target to get his head to it, saved by Escalante, and fired home by Ashley Young. Breakthrough for Aston Villa in the fifth minute. John Carew gets the better of Cahill. It's a bottle of Aston Villa's headline act, Gabriel Ekbomlahor, strikes again, his seventh of the season. There's Gary Cahill, oh it's off the post and swept in, Bolton Wanderers are back in this, right on half-time. John Carew, it's a lovely turn from John Carew, still going Carew! Fantastic strength! Ball played into the box, that night gets far too tight, Carew rolls in and then through the legs of... Cahill. Richard Dunn has stayed back this time. Cuellar's gone forward. Ashley Young with the delivery. John Carew was waiting. And the appeal for a penalty has been given. It's James Milner saved by Oscar Linen. And off the post from Sidwell. And struck home by James Milner. They got there in the end. It's game over. On this cross, Cuellar with the flick. It's fine. 
Carlos Cuellar with his first goal for Aston Villa. Welcome to the Proud History Bright Future podcast. I'm David Michael from ProudHistoryBrightFuture.com and joining me is Dan Rogers from The False Narrative. Welcome, Dan. What a win. What a win. Aston Villa 5, Bolton 1. It was never in doubt. I mean, to be honest... Yeah, but we've had a bit of a sticky patch. We haven't won since we beat Chelsea at home uh, in the middle of October, so it was long, long overdue, and we were starting to slip. I mean, we're back in fifth place now, one point off Tottenham, mm. who were fourth. Uh, we're only six points off Chelsea, who we beat uh, in October. Yeah, but 38,000 38, people were there to see Gabby score. You know, he's, he's well on his way. I mean, I, I thought he scored three, four, five hundred 500 goals. Well, you, um, what are you, what are you, what are you trying to tell ahead. me? He's in decline now. No, no, I, I'm saying he's going to really ramp it up. Yeah. Why, why would you even imagine he'd be in decline? That there's nothing about his form, his pedigree, and what he's shown today that suggests that he's not going to go on to become. Well, no, I think O'Neill started uh, using him as a solo man up front. Now he's got Carew alongside him. I think that's going to only help his uh, goal scoring ratio per match now. Anyway, well, speaking of Carew, man of the match for me. Anyway, what do you think? He, well, he made he made that night and, and that amateur Gary Cahill uh, look absolutely useless, didn't he? I mean, he was a that goal where he scuffed. Yeah, he managed to score while trying to trip up at the same time. I mean, it was uh, it was an amazing uh, effort and for him just to stay on his feet after he tripped himself up was uh, was pretty good. After Carew's showing today, do you forgive him for that little lap dancing trip on the uh, the eve of the Ajax game? Yeah, I mean he's entitled to his extracurricular, and there's a reason he's bigger than me and you, so it's it's fine by me. Cahill, uh, I'm glad we got rid of him in the end. I mean, five five million. Thank you very much, Bolton. I mean, I can't see him winning anything. I mean, Bolton will probably end up having to send him to Warsaw or somewhere, something like that. So what do you think about O'Neill now? We're back, uh, as, as I said, back into fifth. We're above Manchester City, above Liverpool. I can't see... I mean, I, I, don't, I don't fancy Liverpool's chances, but I can't see anybody out of the top six challenging. But after finishing disappointingly sixth the last couple of seasons, O'Neill... I mean, this is a real chance for O'Neill to finally get into the Champions League. I mean, I can't see him walking away from this job now until he's cracked the top four for Randy, and I think it's got to be this season or next. Oh, this is it now for O'Neill. I think this is he'll he'll be our he'll be our Wenger, our Ferguson. You know, he'll be our long-term manager. Who I mean, it's clear he will bring back the glory days that had a couple of seasons of finishing sixth, but the ascendancy. That's just a foundation, isn't it? Because yeah. You know, you need a couple of seasons to turn something around, and he's done that. What we know is that, that Lerner has backed him in the transfer windows. There's a big summer ahead of us. I'm sure he'll be backed again, because what we need is we need more Habib Bays. We need more Nicky Shoreys. I think I think if we get Darren Bent in the January window, I think that might that would be the missing piece. I think now, why wait until Darren Bent's, like, you know, another year older, and he's just, no. he's just not going to cut it? No, you forget yourself. What you need is a Harewood and Heskey combo. Ooh, that's what you need. Oh yeah, actually, that might work. That's that's kind of interesting. I like. I like. Well, uh, thank you. I'm glad you're coming round to my way. Why do you want to outlay money on Darren Bent, a proven goal scorer at this stage? Why not just wait? until he's on the wane and then buy him for twice the price I mean that's what some other club would do <laughs> yeah no you're right Villa Villa never uh, fall into those traps that's what I like about Villa we, you know we would never end up buying mm. somebody like like a mercenary like you know what's that guy at Wigan Charles in Zogbia we'd, no, we'd never buy somebody that. like him or Stephen Island or I mean I'm not totally convinced with Dunn and Collins in terms of breaking the top four I think I mean I know Chelsea are top at the moment but 
I mainly dream in, I mean, John Terry's never going to come to Villa, is he? That's just like, I think if he was in our team and we had like a Gerrard in midfielder and then a a proper 20 goals a season striker, I think we'd be nailed on for Champions League at least. But Terry will never join us. I mean, the fact is, do we have a need for him? Probably not. Probably not, no. Who needs him when you've got Dunn? And Cuela. Galos Cuela. Playing right back. (laughs) Playing right back with his club foot. (laughs) <laughs> Quayla, some slack he did score today. Yeah, it was a good header. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's trying to clear it, but it was it was a great header. Flicked header into the net. I think the game was won when we were 3-1 up. I mean, when they mm. when they pulled back at 2-1, you thought, well, you know, Bolton might get into this, but Cruz goal pretty much finished it off. But, I mean, the, the penalty situation was comical. I mean, Milner has his has his penalty saved, and then it comes straight out to Steve Sidwell. Point-blank range. Oh, Steve. Manages to hit the post, and then Milner gets that rebound uh, and puts it away. But Steve Sidwell, I mean, the one image of Steve Sidwell which will always stay in my head forever is it's one that he does almost every game he plays you'll see Steve Sidwell with his head in his hands <laughs> he's, either, he's either missed a penalty missed a rebound off a penalty from point blank range got sent off I think we should sell him because over the next few years there's not going to be very many opportunities for him to hold his head in his hands is there let's be honest because we're <laughs> we're on you know, the up. the only way is up the only way is up from this point of view and you saw it today there was a quality manager like Gary Megson in the opposing dugout we weren't phased were we 5-1 what more can I say and uh, yeah just before we we go on to uh, the ad break of proud history bright future just one final thing about New Street Station I mean I almost missed the game again I mean that place is a total dump I mean they really should do it up wholesales change re- get, get an architect in build it big I don't know call it some stupid name like the Grand Central Station or something <laughs> make it look futuristic have fu- you know reflective mirrors and all that kind of jazz well, what, what Birmingham needs because we haven't got a shopping centre is another shopping centre and to be honest I'd go if there was if there was a John Lewis or a tapas bar um, I'd go. I'd go with Carlos Square for some tapas. They, they don't put money into Birmingham. Nobody's no. interested. We'd never get the Commonwealth Games or anything cause it's exotic like that. All, all I'm interested in is is a, an easy station to transit on our way to cup finals. That is a good point. because Thinking uh, practically. With Martin O'Neill, we're only going in one direction. I mean, poor old blues with Alex McLeish. I mean, <laughs> Could you imagine having him as boss? Could you seriously um, imagine? <laughs> I mean, McLeish as a villa manager, I mean, that would be uh, hilarious. Anyway, oh, it would be like appointing Bruce, wouldn't it? Fucking hell. <laughs> Do you fucking imagine oh, the gee. day? Hell would be frozen over, wouldn't it? Thank God we've got O'Neill. He, he's, he's not going to go anywhere. As I said, uh, he's not going to walk out on us until he's uh, got Champions League places at least. <laughs> Now, that would have been a podcast worth listening to. The glory days. Why, why didn't we call this podcast Proud History, Bright Future? Uh, You're not convinced yet, are you? There, there will be some one. some sort of advertising law against... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fucking in the courts. We'll, we'll be able to call something a bright future, I think, after 22 games, if we're uh, in the top two firmly entrenched. It's not in doubt. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. My old man said. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.